Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Just before we go to uh, David Staples, uh, cult of uh, hockey, I, I mentioned on the show twice, just go out there and vote. It doesn't matter who you vote for. Just go out there and vote. Make the call. It's up to you. It's the beauty. We live in a democracy. Uh, why don't you tell all your listeners to vote NDP, Bob? Uh, by the way, he, this texter has gone all caps for the remaining. All your news broadcast commercials by your announcers, all NDP backed, and they all run down Danielle Smith. It's too bad she did such a great job on the talk show. That's why Ched and Global don't want her to succeed. Pity on all the Ched and, and employees. Really, I, I'm sorry. I got to tell you. I, so this is a person who clearly hasn't listened long enough to the station to hear all of the UCP's ads that also run on these same same areas. Yeah, yeah, I was a little surprised by that, to be honest with you. I, I, go vote for who you want to vote for. We're not going to tell you who to vote for. It's 137 in Edmonton. David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. How are you doing, David? I'm doing great, Bob. It's a beautiful day out there. It is a beautiful. By the way, there's some guys. There's uh, another guy who was mad at me. Oh, your guest. You asked him the same questions every week. You suck, Stoffer. I'm like, you know, I wish my Uncle Brian would stop texting the show like that. It really it brings me down. Uh, now, does uh, the Edmonton Journal editorial uh, still endorse a uh, provincial candidate for an election? Do you guys still do that kind of stuff? Sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they'll... Um, summarize which issues the various candidates are strong on and which they think they're weak on. So it depends on the election. Uh, I know Shea Ganim uh, had his comments on the debate. We'll get to the order stuff in a second, but uh, how, did you, how did you think uh, the two candidates did? Well, uh, I thought Smith won the debate, Bob. Okay. And um, that will not surprise many of your listeners, some, most of your listeners, but I'll say why. Um, she she had low expectations going in. You know, she said a lot of things which people kind of categorize as bozo eruptions. And um, people hadn't seen her debate in Otley. And I had been watching her all through the uh, winter session debating Notley. And I thought Notley beat Kenny almost every time she debated him. She came across as this nice person arguing against this very argumentative guy who had to win every point. And it didn't look good on Kenny. But Smith surprised me. Um, she's very calm in debate. And she doesn't let people, she doesn't get ruffled. She doesn't get defensive. And she's assertive. And so I thought it's going to be interesting to see if she can translate that. And I thought she did. I just think um, her manner, um, she didn't make any mistakes. She was calm. She wasn't defensive. She laid out her arguments. And I thought Notley looked like more like the angry and defensive person arguing okay. against the, the calm person. So just, just based on manner presentation, which is huge in a debate, I think Smith got the edge. Uh, how are the numbers trending as we go to next Monday's election, David? You're gonna be, super, now you're part of the global team on this, are you? Are they, the, the journal team. Oh, the, yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. Provincial Affairs, so this is my area. Um, I go by Canada 338. There's lots of, there's a number of different people uh, who do polls, but they are a poll aggregator. And then they have the model that they put all those different poll numbers into, and they try to figure out who's got the best chance of winning. So I think the latest numbers that I've seen, uh, UCP up five by about five percentage points. And they have a 75% chance of getting the most, uh, getting a majority based on that. 
Okay. With the NDP having a 25% chance, obviously, of getting the majority. So it's still, there's still a, an opportunity for the NDP, but the window is closing. Who's got the bigger uh, financial clout behind them to buy commercials and that sort of thing? My understanding is it's it's equal. Okay. That both of them had there's different kinds of donations and that both of them when you when you tally it all up, they, they both had pretty sizable war chests heading into this uh, uh, election, and it was uh, the same, about the same for both of them. Okay, good to know. All right, let's switch focus. Uh, you wrote a piece about Cody Ceci. What would you say? Well, um, I think, uh, I didn't do a poll, but I, I think if you did a poll, most people would say it's time to move out Cody Ceci. And my point was, mm, I'm pretty skeptical about that. Uh, I, it, and it's and it's not like Cody Ceci had a great year. He didn't. But he did have a really good year the season before this. Yes, he did. And um, he was a surprise to me and every Oilers fan. And, and last summer, if we were talking about Cody Ceci, no one would be talking about moving out Cody Ceci. Everyone thought he did a really good job. And, and this year, I just think the difference is, Bob, was injuries. I, I, I understand he was playing with an injured groin. Yep for most of the season and if you've ever played with that kind of injury it's brutal and he struggled through that and he was okay-ish he he wasn't he wasn't great he wasn't good but he hung in there uh with darnell nurse against tough competition and i just don't see um you know i think the owners are going to might have money to bring in one good player uh figure out a way and and I think that player, um, you know, I, maybe it's going to be a forward, though, that they, they need more than a defenseman. I just don't think you can get better bang for your buck than Cody Ceci. And I think that chances are, give him a summer to, to heal up. He could be as good as he was uh, the year before. We saw Adam Larson here in Edmonton for years, and he was up and down. And it was often based on injury yeah. or psychological factors. And this is the way it is with defensemen. They go up and down um, sometimes when they're when they're injured and when they're when they're healthy, they're good. So I, I think Cody CC is a prime candidate to rebound at a good price. Yeah. Well, and in fairness, a year ago, uh, Cody CC outplayed Adam Larson. This year, Adam Larson outplayed Cody CC. It happens. The Fizzler, uh, who you know is text the show on a regular basis, are flogs are are hogs flogs are hogs flying outside the window right now because. I'm actually agreeing with David Staples. I guess all those years of listening to Oilers now have rubbed off. That one comes to us from the business. Wow. Is that about Daniel Smith or Cody Ceci? Uh, I'm thinking it's about, it was text when you were talking about uh, Daniel Smith and <laughs> Rachel Notley. So there you go. Uh, I like Cody Ceci, Bob. I, I think he's a really useful player. And, and I just think when players get hurt, they can get a bad rap. But uh, he's a good candidate to rebound, be healthy, and he's a good, he's got a good price. David, what does it mean if uh, Vegas, I mean, I think at this stage of the game, you know, Dallas's captain just took himself potentially out of game three and game yeah. four. I mean, he's, I would think he's going to get a one game suspension for that. Um, bad play, just a terrible play. What does it mean if Vegas wins the Stanley Cup this year, if the Oilers two years in a row have lost the eventual Stanley Cup champs? It means with a little bit luckier shooting, Bob, the Oilers could have won the Cup this year. When you, when I dug, you know, when the season, when the series is over with Vegas, I was, you know, we're all, you know, we're all trying to rationalize what the heck happened there. Because it just didn't, something didn't feel right about it. The Oilers looked pretty darn good in most of those games and you know so we're all okay it's goaltending and yeah there were some big defensive mistakes and 
But then Jay Woodcroft was on your show last week, and he said something really interesting. You know, he and he was very careful when he said this because he didn't want to make an excuse. But he was saying when he looked at some of the shooting percentages and some of the shots they were getting, you know, it made him wonder. So I dug into that myself. And, man, the Oilers, their, um, their grade-A shot differential in the series against Vegas was the same as their grade-A shot differential against uh, L.A. Really? It was about plus, plus two and a half a game. And it was that's the same over the regular season. It was about plus two and a half, plus three a game. So the Oilers outplayed... Vegas when it came to um, grade A shots on net. And yes, I, I do think Vegas got slightly better goaltending. But when it, when you look closely at game six where Hill, you know, we all kind of thought, well, Hill outplayed Skinner, and that's he did. Yes. Fair enough. But, you know, the Oilers, there was, they came so close, especially in that first period. You know, the score is two to one Oilers. And if they had gotten that third goal, Bob, and I mean, there was a, there was a couple plays there. They never got they separation. Got, Hyman puts the puck into the slot. It just bounces around, and Evander Kane almost puts it in. Yamamoto charges in, and there's a rebound. And if it just goes to Nuge, then it's three to one. You know, the Oilers weren't a dominant. Team. They weren't dominant enough to overcome bad puck luck. But I think if wow. they just got a little better puck luck shooting that puck, they, they beat Vegas. Really? And, um, yeah, I don't. I, I think the Oilers were the better team. Well, they outshot them seventy-five to fifty-three in the final two games. And unfortunately, Stu had a couple tough starts. Uh, they got there was some bad plays on five on five, especially the Nurse CC tandem, which had a rough series. That happens, um, but it needs to be stated they did have the ice kind of tilted, and that's hockey. And look no further than the Florida Panthers. This is a team that if the Pittsburgh Penguins beat uh, Chicago in their second last game of the year, the Florida Panthers missed the playoffs. They've been Florida's expected goals in the games. Uh, they would have gone four and eleven in the fifteen games so far. The Florida Panthers are seven and one in their last eight games. They've actually won. Well, they were down. Were they not down three? Uh, then they come back all the way back from Boston as well. So it just it just shows you like he, there is a degree of luck, David. How do you factor in the degree of luck when you're sitting there? And it's not an excuse. Waters have to play better team defense. We all know that. Well, there's, there's, you know, university professors who have studied this, and um, when they look into into how much luck is a factor in the major sports, um, they found that basketball is the sport that's least affected by luck, because um, you can play your best players, they have possession all the time, there's lots of chances to score, so the skill matters the most, but it, 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 the professional sport, where luck, puck luck, or where just luck plays the biggest role, is hockey and it's significant and it and you can see like you know we'll often say well it comes down to goaltending and and yeah goaltending was a big factor in edmonton versus las vegas it was a factor but luck is just it's just it rides over the game and it can it can take out a good team and i think so the oilers what what we hear now from the oilers is this they got to get better at defense we hear it from holland we hear it from woodcroft because what they're thinking is we just have to get so dominant and so good that even if we have bad luck, we'll win. And that that's a really admirable goal, but it's hard to attain. 100%. Look at the Boston Bruins. That didn't they, happen. They attained Dave? it this year, Bob. They yeah. attained that. They were so good. And still, I'm guessing, luck played a huge factor, probably injuries, too, because of Bergeron and Krejci were both sure. hurt. All right. And, and them losing. You can still lose. We got to run here, but I'm going to put you on the spot. I need one name. 
Wednesday when we have you on next week, who's going to be the premier of the province? Well, the one name, the polls, Daniel Smith. There we go. Great, uh, great stuff. We'll see if you're right, David. Thanks for joining okay, us, sir. Yeah, you bet. Sorry, I had to get going there. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. You can get their new boneless wings for thirteen ninety five or six. That's eight for thirteen ninety five or sixteen for twenty five ninety five. You can visit royalpizza.ca. Big fan of the Mediterranean chicken as well. Back with this day in Oilers history when we return on Oilers now. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott joining you on Oilers now. Reed Wilkins tonight on Inside Sports has Aaron Grimes. He's got a guy that used to be on my show called Trainwreck Tuesdays, Ken Reed, a real funny fellow out of Toronto, and Pat Steinberg with the latest in the Calgary Flames as well, all coming up tonight on Inside Sports. We go to Listay and Oilers history for New West Travel, serving travelers since 1979. Book your vacation today with newwesttravel.com. What do you got? 1987, Wayne Gretzky puts up three assists to lead the Oilers to a 4-1 win at Philadelphia in Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Flyers set a new NHL record by playing in their 23rd game, uh, playoff game rather, of the year. The old record of 22 set by Calgary in 1986. Blue River. That's where I was when I watched that game. Ever been to Blue River? I've traveled through. Blue <laughs> ain't missing much up there, are you? <laughs> not much. No, not much at all. Snowmobiling country, really. Oh, yeah. Blue River, Evola, Clearwater. Yeah. Uh, the Oilers ultimately ended up winning in uh, 87 in Game 7. By that point, we had moved to uh, uh, Clearwater. Tonight, uh, we mentioned Reed Wilkins has got inside sports from 6 to 8 tomorrow. Cam Moon's going to join me in studio and NHL insider for Legacy Heating and Cooling, John Shannon. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, and then Chelsea Unchad with Chelsea Bird. Back at you at noon tomorrow. Have a, uh, what day is it today? A wonderful Wednesday, everybody. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season 6 of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.